so this morning, it seems appropriate for an FCA Sunday, but we're going to talk about wrestling with God. And there was a bit of a wrestling match going on in Genesis chapter 32, but most of you are likely familiar with the sport of wrestling. I hate to disappoint some of you by telling you that professional wrestling is not actually a wrestling competition. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, Olympic wrestling and college wrestling and high school wrestling and middle school wrestling, that's real wrestling. Okay, so even Wikipedia describes professional wrestling as follows. Professional wrestling is a form of athletic theater. That it's pretty good theater, but it's theater that revolves around mock combat matches that are usually performed in a ring similar to the kind used in boxing. So, I mean, jumping off the high ropes and doing double backward whammies or whatever they call all those things they do are uh, interesting. Uh, but they're not the same as two guys on a mat, two people on a mat, just giving everything they can, make sure they don't slip one second or they'll get pinned. And it's very, very difficult, strenuous effort for a short period of time, just giving everything that you've got. So uh, some people find it entertaining um, to watch the professional kind, but I kind of, I like the more Olympic kind. Um, the, the question is really, which one is the Bible? Which one is this story in Genesis? Is it, is this real? Is this like a real story, a real event? Did, did a man honestly actually really wrestle with God? It's like, how is that possible? Like, what are we to make of our Bibles? The Old Testament story of Jacob is a real wrestling match between a man and God. And that statement alone raises some interesting questions, doesn't it? Is the story fake and make-believe, just a made-up story to entertain us? Is the Bible full of made-up stories to entertain gullible people? Or is it an actual event in real history, in human history, where a human being entered into an actual wrestling match, Olympic-style wrestling with Jesus Christ, the Son of God? If it is the latter, which I believe it to be, then we have a lot to discuss this morning, trying to figure out, well, why did God do this and what exactly does it mean? So I want to begin by the first question, the first point I want to raise, I want to ask this question, who was Jacob in the Bible? Who was Jacob? So we, we, we just jump right into this wrestling match. We just right, we walk right up to the wrestling ring. We jumped right in without any background. So the, a question that we need to ask, who was, who was Jacob? Well, we meet Jacob in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And the entire Bible is based upon, is upon the story of God's determination to rescue people who have been separated from God by sin and rebellion. So the whole story is a rescue mission, a rescue story. And we're, we're jumping in right in the opening pages. So the first two human beings created by God were Adam and Eve. And they lived in the Garden of Eden. And God gave them freedom to make their own choices in life. But He gave them one prohibition. He told them not to eat from the fruit, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the fruit itself was nothing wrong with it. It was probably magnificent. The fruit was not poisonous. It did not, was not harmful at all. But it was put there simply to see if Adam and Eve, with all their freedom, would trust God and obey God, or whether they would disobey God. They had all these things they could do, and God said, just trust me, don't do this one thing. 
And their freedom, they had the choice to do that. But they made a choice that affected all of human history. They ate from the tree and disobeyed God. They chose to disobey God and it began a long path of sin, destruction and death for all mankind. And, and we see it everywhere. Just watch the news, drive by a cemetery. We see the effects of what happened in the very beginning. To this day, we observe on a daily basis that there is evil and death wherever there are human beings. And this could be called the Great Rebellion. I often refer to what happened in Genesis as the Great Rebellion. And so the beginning of that Great Rebellion was right there at the very opening of our Bibles. And the beginning of the story includes this event. So this is not what God desires for people with whom he desires to have a personal relationship. That's what he desires. Therefore, God had, from the very beginning, a great rescue mission. There's the great rebellion, but as soon as the great rebellion occurred, God immediately comes along and begins the great rescue mission. The greatest story ever told is the story of God rescuing us from sin and death. So he begins this great rescue mission where he eventually would send his one and only son to enter into the human situation as a person. That God would become... A person, 100% fully human, called the incarnation of Christ. That was what happened when Jesus, the Son of God, entered into humanity as a human being. And it's called the incarnation, when he became incarnate, when he took up human life and flesh and became both God and man. And he did that in order to rescue man from sin and death by voluntarily going to die on the cross for us. This is the big story where he defeated sin and death and then he rose from the dead, which is what we call the resurrection, which we celebrate at Easter and actually we celebrate it all year and every day. If you're a Christian, every day is a resurrection day. Every day is a day that we celebrate what Christ did for us. And so Easter is a, a, a special remembrance of thinking that's about the time of the year it happened. But for us it's every day. Every day is a day of hope and resurrection for the Christian. So Jacob played a very important role. Who is Jacob? He played a big role in the great story of God's rescue mission. And the Old Testament's full of people. We name our kids after these people. You hear most of these names you've heard before. Uh, men like Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, Moses, Noah, David, Samson, Elisha, Elijah. All these names are Old Testament characters who lived before the time of Jesus and all had a special assignment from God as he wrote the great story. And the great story was about the eventual coming of Jesus. All the Old Testament characters were part of the great story. So this is what's happening in the Bible. And the only reason we're interested in Jacob is not because Jacob was such an awesome guy, but because Jacob is part of the great story that leads us to the greatest person that ever lived, and that's Jesus Christ. So if you want to know what your Bible is about, Jesus Christ, and it's all tied together no matter whether where you're reading in the whole Bible, the question is, how do I get from here to Jesus? And that's the story and the narrative in the Word of God. So God made it clear, um, and we, we find one really important character was Abraham. And Abraham was Jacob's granddad. God made a promise to Abraham to bless the entire world through the eventual Savior and Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would come as a direct descendant of Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, in verses 2 and 3, it says, I will make you, God was telling this to Abraham, 
Jacob's granddad, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there's a blessing available to all people that comes through Abraham. Through Abraham, not Abraham himself. Abraham is not the blessing. The blessing would come through his line. Eventually the blessing would come through Jesus, a descendant of Abraham. And that's the story of the Bible. So God later made it clear that this blessing would come through Abraham's son Isaac, then through his grandson Jacob, that's our guy, and then through his great-grandson, Abraham's great-grandson Judah, and eventually the great-great-grandson plus a few of David, and on and on until Jesus was born of Joseph and Mary. That's how we get to Jesus in the, the Bible story, as we get there through all these characters, lead us right to the cross of Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus. And this is how the story all weaves together, is tied together like this. Jacob, our Jacob in our story, in our wrestling match, was a player in the great story, early in the story. And you can read the genealogy, the family tree of Jesus in Matthew 1, at the very end of the Old Testament, the beginning of the New, there he is. There's Jacob, our guy, in verse 2. In this long list of names, there he is. And the names all lead down to Jesus. And that's how he ties in. That's why he's important for us. That's why we need to know who are the players and what did God do over history. Extraordinary story leading to the life coming of Jesus. So you can read the genealogy in Matthew 1. And it takes you all the way back to why this is important. This is what makes Jacob significant. He's important because he helps us find Jesus. And the story of Jesus runs through the entire Bible all the way back to Abraham, even all the way back to Adam and Eve. So as soon as Adam and Eve sinned against God, the curse of death came, but God promised life and the blessing of salvation that would eventually lead to baby Jesus and then lead to Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. So who was Jacob? Most importantly, he was a player in the great story of Jesus. He was the grandson of Abraham, the father of Judah, without whom we would not have our Savior, Jesus Christ. So you see, he was important. Secondly, so what was happening with Jacob before he wrestled with God? Like, what was the setting and the context? We have these two guys wrestling, and we kind of want to know, what's their story? What was the context for Jacob before he had this wrestling with God? So Jacob was really not such a great guy. When we go, oh, Jacob was with, close to God. He was an awesome guy. He wasn't such an awesome guy. As a matter of fact, he wasn't a very good friend. He wasn't a very good brother. He would trick you and he'd pull your wallet right out of your pocket. He would take your credit card and spend it. Jacob wasn't a great guy. He was not likely a very likely candidate, humanly speaking, to be given a very important role from God, but somehow God chose him. You may think you're not a very likely candidate. And you may go, well, I'm, I'm not the best person that ever lived. Do I have a role in God's kingdoms? Absolutely you do. Jacob wasn't such a great person, and he had a role because he became willing. And you can have a role, no matter what your past is, no matter what you've done. To be honest, there really are no great guys. There really are no great girls. We're all more like Jacob than we realize. His name Jacob means heel grabber. Because he grabbed his twin brother's heel as they were being delivered at birth. It also means deceiver or supplanter. 
Jacob deceived his dad and his brother, and he had many struggles in his life, and he was far from perfect. He had many flaws, and yet God chose to use him, and slowly and usually reluctantly, Jacob came to embrace God and God's will for his life. Jacob was born in the land of Canaan, and then he moved far away to the land where his grandfather grew up, but on the way there, he had his first big encounter with God at a place called Bethel, and Bethel means house of God. Now he's having his second big encounter with God, 20 years later coming back. On the way there, he had an encounter with God, 20 years there. On the way back, he has an encounter with God. And this time, first time he was stopped at Bethel called the house of God. Now he stops at a place called Peniel, the face of God. He has an encounter, face-to-face encounter with God. And he has these two great encounters with God that help define his life. In Genesis 28, Jacob made a vow. This was at Bethel on his way, on his way. And his vow was, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread and eat and clothing to wear so that I again come to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. So it's sort of like he said, Lord, if you bless me in my adventure, I'll claim you to be my God. Remember, he grew up in a pluralistic polytheistic society so there was all kinds of gods and there was the 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 descendants of Abraham was really about the only group that believed in the one one God they were monotheist and he said well I'll be I'll serve the God of my father's Lord if you give me success on my journey and he made it kind of conditional and so he was kind of saying I'll be a Christian I'll be a Christian. I'll choose. He's looking like at a candy machine full of options, uh, many different gods. He says, I'll, I'll choose my God. I'll be, I'll be a Christian like my dad, my granddad, if you'll bless my life. It was kind of a, a deal he struck up with God. It wasn't very sincere. It wasn't. The 20 years of his life when he was far away revealed that, David, that uh, Jacob wasn't really as serious about God as God needed him to be to carry out his assignment. So Jacob declared God to be his God, spent 20 years far away in a distant land, building up his wealth and his family and his uh, resume. He did acknowledge God, but he didn't really embrace or understand how to pursue God's call upon his life. But God still had great plans that included Jacob, the hill grabber. God spoke to Jacob in a vision and told him to come home to the land where he grew up, the land promised to the descendants of Abraham and the future nation of Israel. So God had a promise and a, he had a future, very wonderful future plan for Jacob. But Jacob had to surrender to God's purpose in his life. Okay, so Jacob's response um, was interesting. In Genesis 33, 9, he said, Return to your country and your kindred that I may do you good. And can I just tell you God wants to do you good. He wants to do you good. But you have to turn to Him. You have to listen. You have to respond to God. He wants to do you good. But you have to, you're going to have to let go of some things. Jacob's response was evidence that he was ready to follow the path of God. He said, Lord, I am not worthy. He bowed down and prayed the most special prayer. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of your steadfast love and your faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. He's like bows down before God and says, Lord God, I want your blessing, but I am by no means worthy. I've really been a scoundrel. I have a bad past. I haven't been very faithful. I haven't been faithful to my father. I deceived my dad. I deceived my brother. 
I've lived a life of deception. I've been living all about myself. And he bows down before God and says, Lord God, I need your blessing, but I am not worthy. Do you know that this is the starting point for dealings with God? Humility that bows low to God and a full acknowledgement that you are unworthy to receive God's blessing. It is not a demand. You don't start a relationship with God by demanding your personal rights, but by pleading for grace. If you have a heart that wants to be restored for God, then never say, Lord, I'm here to collect on all the good things I've done in your name. Don't ever ask God for what you deserve. Don't ever demand from God, you're right. What you do is say, Lord God, I humble myself before you. Could you possibly find it in your heart to have mercy upon me? You know everything I've done. Knowing that, would you still have mercy upon me? And God says, absolutely. I've just been waiting to hear you say that. The person that will find favor with God will never say, Lord, I'm a good person and I tried my best. No, just the opposite. The soul that moves toward God in deepest is in deep contrition and sorrow and says, I am not worthy of the least of your mercies. Could you possibly forgive me for the wrongs that I have done? And that is the prayer and posture of one who wants to begin and continue a walk with God. That is the doorway to salvation that Jesus has made possible by his sacrifice on the cross. Jacob was doing life, just going about life, having kids, making money, making a name for himself, doing his thing, trying to build success, to have things, to increase in this world. And God was sort of a part of his life. He was sort of on the edges. He believed in God. He chose God among other gods. He was not a pagan like the other people he knew. He was nowhere near what he needed. But he was nowhere near what he needed to carry out his mission from God. Considering all that had happened in his life with his grandfather being the great Abraham and his father being Isaac and the personal experiences he had already had with God, he should have been much farther along and deeper in his relationship with God. And I wonder if some of you could say the same thing. I wonder if some of you could say, considering the way I was raised or information I had or the information I know, I've known the gospel for so long. I've had opportunities to serve God. I've had so many. I've even had near-death experiences. I've had these things happen in my life. I've still blocked and drowned the voice of God out. Is it possible that some of you are in the exact same place that Jacob was, that you've had much privilege along the way, but you haven't responded to it? And maybe God is saying, I want to wrestle with you right now, right here today. And see if you'll call out to God. On his way home, Jacob was greatly afraid to face, of all things, his past. He was afraid to face his past. Maybe some of you are afraid to face your past. You have a past and it includes things that are dark and things you don't want anyone to know. And God says, don't hide your past from me. Don't hide your past. We're going to have to wrestle. You're going to have to wrestle. You're going to have to acknowledge what you've done. You're going to have to acknowledge who you are. I am so ready to receive you, but not until you acknowledge what you need to be forgiven for. God will forgive, but you need to tell him exactly. You need to let him know that you know your offenses to him are very big, but that his grace towards you is even bigger. Okay, so... Abraham, uh, Jacob wanted to trust God. He was terrified that his earlier life, earlier decisions would bring destruction to his family and his future. He wanted to trust God, but he was still trusting in his own strength, still trying to figure it out, still trying to do himself, do it his way, figure it out. 
He had never really surrendered all things to God. And his prayer in verses 9 to 12 of chapter 32 proved he wanted God to deliver him from his past mistakes. But his actions to that point had proved that he was still trying to do it his way. He wanted to fix things with Esau. You ever try to fix people and not trust God? Jacob was codependent. He could fix the situation. He could fix it. He could figure out. He was clever. He was smart. He just knew he could figure out what to do. Sure, it was good to have God on your side, but he's the one that knew what to do. That's what he thought. And he prayed to ask God's help. But then he jumped ahead of God to fix it himself. You ever done that? You ever done that? You ever prayed and said, Lord God, I need your help. And you just go right on and do what you think is right rather than waiting upon God. God gives you a direction to go, but you keep grabbing the steering wheel. Like God says, here's what I want for you. But you're like, no, no, I don't like that pathway. Ooh, I don't like that detour. And God says, can you not just lay it down? Give it to me and let me drive. Jacob thought, my brother is mad and he's coming with 400 men. He's going to pay me back and kill me. First, I'll, have, I'll buy a bunch of, huge bunch of gifts. So he, he, 500 and some animals, very expensive in their day. Camels, donkeys, sheep, cattle. And then I'll break my camp into two different groups. So the first group will shelter me and my family and especially my, my most beloved, my own kids and my wife, especially Rachel and Joseph were his Pressure, precious treasures and he wanted to protect them he wanted to do it he wanted to figure out he had these strategies and God says when are you just going to trust me put your strategies away and just trust me and then Jacob said I'll stay back here one more night and he stayed one more night by the Jabbok river and he's one more night he sends everyone across he stays back one more night and says man let me just spend some time praying here a few Hail Marys to God a few more Lord's prayers big check in the offering plate I'll even go to youth group I'll go to church God Sunday I'll serve at the food table anything that might help God hey people pray for me anything that might help but the one thing that God wanted he wasn't willing to do and that was to bow down and surrender everything to God so what what needed to happen in Jacob that caused God to wrestle with him. We have Jacob, this man who's part of the great story. Then we have the context of his life. And then we have this event. What made this event essential? Like why would God bring you to a point of conflict in your life? Why would things be happening in your life that seem to be unraveling? Could it be that it's not that things are just unraveling accidentally, but maybe it is the hand of God giving you the opportunity to surrender to Him. The real issue was not Esau like Jacob thought. The real issue was Jacob. The real issue was not the situation as Jacob thought it was. The real issue was Jacob's condition in his own heart. It was not the danger approaching him. It was the danger of not trusting God. It was not Jacob's inability to defeat a threat to his life. It was Jacob's unwillingness to trust his life entirely to God. Notice that Jacob was alone. Verse 24, Jacob was left alone. When God spoke to him and met with him and came to him, he was alone. He was alone to pray, to ponder, to think, to seek God. I want you to do real business with God, then you must do it alone. You must have real time with God. You must seek God if you hope to hear God. Everything that he loved and owned and cherished was on the other side of the Jabbok River and he was alone to seek God. Can you separate from all that you have and cherish and love long enough to lay yourself bare before God? Just you and God have business to do. No one between you. Would you be willing to do that? 
Would you be willing to say, Lord God, I lay everything that I cherish and love before you so we can have business together. I lay my relationships, my friendships, the thing I'm treasuring, the things I'm pursuing. I lay everything before you so that I can make sure there's nothing between us so that you can reveal to me what you need to do in my life. If you'll do that, I promise God will respond. And Jacob wrestled with a man until the breaking of day. He began wrestling. It's hard work. It's labor. It's all these things he had to think through and work through. And he began to wrestle with God. It was actually a physical wrestling, but there was so much spiritual taking place. It was mental and spiritual. It was very deep. It was physical, sweat, hurt, and injury. But it was not just physical. The physical was to remind him and drive him deep into his heart and his soul and his relationship with God. And in the process, he was injured. When the man saw he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip. God touched Jacob's hip and it was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Sometimes we are injured in a situation and we think it's a random act. Sometimes we have a trial and we think it's just bad luck. Did you know that God often speaks to us through life's altering events, through accidents, through surgeries, through heartbreak, through injuries, through great losses? It is sometimes God seeing if we will reach out to Him, if we are ready to listen to Him, to seek Him. Is God speaking to you currently right now, seeking you and pursuing you? Can you hear Him? Can you see Him? Can you identify His constant involvement in your life? Are these mere inexplicable coincidences, unhappy misfortunes, or are they divine appointments? The angel said, let me go. And he announced that he was leaving. Jacob was clinging to him. Jacob needed to know before he left. Why are, why are you... Who are you and why is this happening to me? And Jacob didn't say, yes, please be gone. I want this pain to end. He was in pain holding on to the person that could bless him because he realized that it was no, it was what a waste of pain if he couldn't get to understand what God was doing. We have a tendency to say, Lord, please take away my pain. And God is saying, you're having pain because I want to communicate with you. Don't wish away the very means that God will use to draw him to himself. We want to do away with anything we don't like, any discomfort. Lord, I just want easy. Easy in the pursuit of easy is what gets you in mess. God says, stop and pursue me. That's what was going on. And so, God said, Jacob says, I will not let go till you bless me. He was finally desperate. And the angel said to him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. I'm the hill grabber. And God says, that's your past. You're no longer the deceiver. I'm going to name you Israel, one who has wrestled with God. I'm going to change your name. And God says to you, and you may have a particular identity in your life. People may know you as someone who sleeps around or someone who's been drunk or someone who likes drugs or someone who has a terrible attitude or someone who has done mean things to other people. And you may have a name. You may have a reputation. And God says, I'm doing away with that name and I'm going to call you my child. And I'm going to call you Christian. I'm going to name you after my son. You come over here and I'll give you a new name and we'll start a new life together. And that's what God wants to do. And that's what the wrestling was all about. And finally, Jacob got his new name and he said, what is your name? And he realized that it is God. It was called Peniel. 
He used the name Peniel because you have seen the face of God. Jacob came to an awareness that what this was all about was getting his relationship right with God. So I want to close with these two thoughts. I want to ask yourself if you have ever wrestled with God and maybe you're doing that right now in your life. And so I want you to think of this wrestling match with Jacob. God was wrestling with Jacob so that Jacob would turn to God. The whole purpose of this match was that Jacob would turn to God. So here we have God wrestling to get Jacob's attention. But I want to tell you about one other wrestling match, the greatest wrestling match in the history of the world. And it's when God went to wrestle death and the devil to save you from hell and death. The greater wrestling match is when Jesus Christ went to the cross and he was willing to endure unspeakable pain, unspeakable torments, far more pain than Jacob went through, far more pain than you will ever go through to get right with God. God went through so that you could call upon the Lord and be saved. The greatest wrestling match in the history of the world is when Jesus Christ suffered and had uh, the crowns of thorns placed upon his head and he bled and he was poked in the side and he was mocked and ridiculed and he did not leave. He didn't leave the ring. He didn't get up and say, he didn't tap out. He went all the way until he was crushed for you in order that you might be saved. So I hope and pray today that you will make a decision about what's taking place in your life. The first of all, I want you to understand that what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross and the horrible uh, descriptions of the crucifixion were so that you might come to Jesus to be saved and have all your sins forgiven. And then I want you to think about maybe God has you in a bit of a wrestling match spiritually and mentally right now at this place in your life because He wants you, He wants to meet you at the cross. He wants, he might be fighting a victory. He might be fighting for your soul right now because he wants you to see that he already fought and won the victory of salvation. And so all I want to do in closing here is we're going to have a, a closing song. And I want you to think about what is God speaking to me at this point in my life? And what does it mean that I'm wrestling with God? And what does it mean that God went to wrestle for me? And I want you to think about those two things. And I want you to pray and ask God to speak to your heart. Father, as we close today, I pray that you would use this old story that's part of the greatest story ever told, and that is the coming of Jesus. Help us to understand that what you did for Jacob, you're still doing for sinners like us, that no matter what our past is, that Christ wrestled and defeated death and defeated Satan. And through his great victory, we too can have victory. And we pray that right now. I pray, oh God, if there's someone here that you're really wrestling with them, that they would do as Jacob did and they would finally surrender. And I also pray, God, that we would celebrate now the great victory that Jesus has won for us. And thank you, Lord Jesus. You're our champion. You're our great defender and savior. In your name we pray. Amen.